It is my pleasure to uh, introduce you today, Brother Terry Stein, President Terry Stein. He's the sixth president of St. Louis Christian College. Terry has had ministries as the president of Boise Bible College. He also served there as the professor of missions. He has been the executive director of Minas de Mexico. Uh, he's had preaching ministries at First Christian Church in St. Peter, Missouri, uh, as well as youth ministries in Arkansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma. And, and he's pretty young. I don't know how he's done all that in such a short time span. Uh, he is married to Carol. They have four children. Uh, he has also served as the, on the board of directors of the Association of Biblical Higher Education. Um, when Terry came to St. Louis Christian College, he came at a, a difficult time for the school. But Terry has a vision for growth, for maturity, and for putting men and women in ministry, and for putting young men behind pulpits to preach. And he has a conviction for that and a heart for that. And we're excited that he's here today to share with us from his heart regarding God's word. Terry, would you come, please? Good morning. I'm glad to be here with all of you this morning. Um, I remember coming here years ago when I represented Ninos to Mexico, and your church supported Ninos so well. I also remember coming here a couple of years ago and stealing Ron Cook uh, to become the uh, financial financial vice president of St. Louis Christian College, and he's doing a wonderful job. He was excited that I get to come back and visit the church that he was a part of for so many years. So this morning, let me tell you, uh, you know, one of the things that I've heard a lot this last week is, uh, have a happy, 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 and wonderful new year. And I think about that, you know, how's it going to be a happy, wonderful new year? We're in the midst of a pandemic. In St. Louis County, you can't eat with inside of a restaurant. In fact, in St. Louis County, I would have to have my mask on, and so would you. Uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're in the middle of political turmoil. We've never seen anything like this before. We've got families being ripped apart, people losing jobs. How in the world can we say, have a happy new year? And yet, my wife was reminding me this last week. She said, you know, it sounds like the early church. The early church was going through all sorts of problems and things that were happening to them, and they were being put in prison, and they were losing their lives. And she said, it's very similar, except we're not losing our physical lives today. And it's true. You know, to have a happy new year, how in the world are we going to have it except in Christ? And I, I teach the book of Acts at St. Louis Christian College. And in Acts, the second chapter, verses 42 through 47, it talks about a church that's in persecution, a church that is going through times that hadn't been uh, before in their history because the church was just starting. And yet it talked about how the early church grew. I'm going to just read parts of it this morning as we go through, but hopefully you'll have your Bibles open to Acts, the second chapter, verse, verses 42 and following. Uh, at St. Louis Christian College, we finished the semester strong. 100% uh, of our day students pre-registered for the spring semester, and the students just wanted to be together so bad, they actually put up two Christmas trees in the coffee shop before Thanksgiving because they were going home the week before Thanksgiving and finishing the semester early, but they wanted to talk to each other about having a Merry Christmas and looking forward to a new year being back on campus studying face-to-face -face with their professors and preparing to be ministers. Um, 
the, the scripture that's been chosen, Acts 2, 41 and following, it talks about how the early church the, uh, were fanatics. The word that's used here is fanatic. It's not just the word that we normally talk about as devoted, but in Greek, it's fanatic. Now, what do you think of when you think of a fanatic? I think of someone that's got TNT or something strapped around their body. They've got a trigger in their hand. They're in the midst of a crowd and they push the button to explode themselves and everyone else. That's what I think of as a fanatic. And yet, I'm from St. Louis. And I know what a real fanatic is. I love the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, there may be a couple of you Cub fans over here. (laughs) Oh, one of you actually said that. I'm surprised. <laughs> you know, fanatics are people who, who love to tell the story about their team. Uh, I, I had a guy at uh, Boise Bible College. He was the guy who was in charge of business. And, you know, business people, they, they like to look at spreadsheets. And they're just not real exciting usually. And this guy, all week long, he's just Mr. Straight. And we would get to Friday during football season and all of a sudden he would have this bright tie on and he would wear this ugly hat. It looked like a wedge of cheese. Yeah, you know, he was a Green Bay Packer fan. I couldn't believe, why in the world would you put that hat on? When I was a youth minister in Fort Smith, Arkansas, on the bottom of the newspaper in Fort Smith every day, it talked about where someone had called the hogs. And calling the hogs in Arkansas, I don't know how many of you understand what it means, but down there to call the hogs, it's super. And they would yell it as loud as they could. I remember one time, Mr. and Mrs. Joe Smith, I changed the name to protect the guilty, called the hogs from the top of the Eiffel Tower. Do you know why the United States and France have some issues? I mean, they think that we're all Arkansas Razorback fans. We are fanatics about one thing or another. And in the early church, they were fanatics. It says the first thing they were fanatics of was the apostles' doctrine. Now think about it for a moment. If the early church in persecution and with all the change going on around them were fanatics of the apostles' doctrine, shouldn't we be? I mean, if we're going to have a successful and blessed new year, we need to be fanatics of this word of God. When I served as a missionary in Mexico City, I was there for 20 years. I remember one time I was teaching a group of boys. Teaching a group of boys is fun. (laughs) These were junior high kids. And I remember I was challenging them, you need to learn the books of the Bible, at least the names of them. And of course, these kids were, it was just like herding a a herd of cats, you know, you just couldn't get their attention. But I've stood in front of them and in 28 seconds, excuse me, 30 seconds, I said all the books of the Bible and they go, wow, 30 seconds, all the books of the Bible. Now I'll give all of you a hint if you want to do it. When you get to Habakkuk, take a big breath or you're not going to make it to Revelation, okay? But uh, I did that, and I challenged them. I said, if any of you can do it faster than 30 seconds, I will buy you your own leather Bible. Now, for a boy in Mexico, most of the kids at Ninos to Mexico just had paperback editions. And the one that I wanted to give them was a very special one made by B.B. Kirkbride, which was the Thompson Chain Reference Bible in Spanish. 
And so these boys, they just started during class in school and other times to memorize all the books of the Bible. Two weeks later, Danielle came in. Danielle was a tall boy for his age, but he was very shy. And he, he was hunched over at the beginning of the class and he goes, Tio Terry, Uncle Terry, I think I can beat you. I said, now, Daniel, it's only been two weeks. He said, no, I, I believe I can beat you. And all the other boys were just smiling. And so Daniel stood there very calmly and did all the books of the Bible in 28 seconds. Beat me by two seconds. I couldn't believe it. How many of you know Spanish? You know, if, if a word is this long in English, it's this long in Spanish. And the books of the Bible are like that. The, the words are so long, you pronounce every syllable. He beat me. And so I called my secretary in uh, Union, Missouri, and I said, Crystal, you have to find this Bible for me. I have a young man who has learned all the books of the Bible. And so she called me back later in the week. She said, I found one. Vita Press, New York. It's the only place that has one. And I said, okay, buy it and get it to me. She said, you don't understand. I said, well, don't understand what? She said, you don't understand. It's $159. Now, this has been back a number of years ago, $159. That was a lot of my money. It wasn't Ninos to, Mexico, Ninos to Mexico's money. It was mine. And I said, I don't care. Just use my credit card, buy it, and get it shipped to Mexico City. Two weeks later, I presented that Bible to Danielle in front of the auditorium of the church. We had about 350 in church that day. And I asked the elders, elders, would you please stand? Now, I'm not asking elders here to stand. Uh, but down there I did because I felt very comfortable doing it. And so they stood. I said, how many of you elders know all the books of the Bible? <laughs> and most of them sat back down. A couple of them were halfway down. They weren't sure if they did or not. And so I had Daniel come up. He recited all the books of the Bible. Everyone applauded. I gave him the Bible. And then afterwards, I talked to some of the elders. And I said, do you know all the books of the Bible? Most of the elders didn't. Most of the people in the church did not know all the books of the Bible. If you don't know the names of the Bible, how in the world are you going to learn the Bible? If we are fanatics of God's word, we need to study God's word. It needs to fall apart. My Bible, Deb at the office is going to have this rebound for me because I have pages that are just falling out. I've used it so long. And I read it all the time. We're getting ready for January 1st. Do you know what January 1st is? It's the first day of your annual Bible reading. You're going to start with Genesis, the first chapter. I know you are. Yes, you are. And by the end of the year, you will have read through the Bible, for some of you, the first time ever. Are we fanatics of God's word? The early church, they were fanatics. They learned God's word. They didn't have Bibles. They, as the books were written, they would send the books around and people would read them and they would memorize them and they would put them in their heart and in their mind. It was a focus of every day for them. And so for the next year, if you want to have a blessed, happy new year, let me tell you, put your mind into the word of God daily. Be a fanatic of God's word. Forget the news stations. I don't care if it's Fox or CNN. I know I just went polarization there. But, um, you know, go to the Bible. 
Read the Bible, study the Bible, understand the Bible, and apply the Bible to your life, and I guarantee you, you're going to have a happy new year. Now, in the early church, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship. You know what fellowship is? Fellowship is a word in Greek that's koinonia. (laughs) That really straightened it out for you, didn't it? Uh, Koinonia, what in the world is koinonia? Koinonia is the same thing as in the Three Musketeers, it was their slogan. How many of you ever read the Three Musketeers? I like classics. In the Three Musketeers, their slogan was one for all and all for one. In other words, I've got your back. The early church, it was a happy church. It was a church where great things happened because they were fanatics of each other. They took care of each other. You know, right now in our pandemic that we have, uh, things have been fractured in churches. It's hard for us to keep up with each other. I'm surprised this morning that most of you don't have masks on. My goodness, I love it. Uh, Because we can see faces, we can talk to each other, we can fellowship. We need to be making phone calls. I know we can't go and visit everyone in their homes like it used to be, but uh, we can make phone calls, we can wave at people. Um, People who are in the rest homes, they can't get out, you can't go in. It's a tough time right now. Fellowship is something that's been put on a back burner. In the early church, It was never put on a back burner. If you read about the early Christians, a lot of times in the marketplace, they would stand and with their foot, they would make the sign of the fish in the dust. And the reason was so that someone else walking by would see and they go, yeah, I've got a brother, I've got a sister in Christ, someone who loves Jesus the same way I do. And if something happens to me, they'll help me. And if they need help, I'll help them. That's what the early church was all about. They were fanatics of each other. And then it says they were fanatics of the breaking of bread. And breaking of bread is what we just did just a couple of minutes ago. It's communion with God. The early church met together on the Lord's Day all the time. It didn't matter what was going on, storms, pandemics, soldiers, it didn't matter. The early church met Uh, When I had a trip to Israel a couple of years ago, I was able to see some of the places the early church met, and some of the churches were underground. In Rome, they were down in the catacombs, the burial places. The church would gather at 4 and 5 o'clock in the morning before the people went to work as slaves in homes. And the early church did that not just because it was fun to get up early and to go into a dark place. It was because they were fanatics of Jesus Christ. As the writer of the book of Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves as the habit of some is. We need to be together. Whether it's online or whether it's physical, we need each other. And we need to have communion with God. And when we have communion with God together, it strengthens the body, physically and spiritually. I'm convinced we as Christians to have a happy new year need to be dedicated to each other and we need to be dedicated to God in a way that's never been done before. The early church, they were devoted or fanatics of prayer. Let me tell you about prayer. Prayer is not, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Um, 
prayer is talking to our Heavenly Father. It's being one-on-one with God. When I was uh, president of Boise Bible College on Sundays, uh, I would travel long distances, uh, either Saturday or Sunday to go preach. It was 10, 12 hours to the closest big cities. I mean, I was in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I would drive to these places over in Oregon. And when I would leave the border of Idaho into Oregon, there were places that for two hours, there wasn't even an exit off the highway that had anything there. It was all just sagebrush and mountains. And I would pray And I would ask God, God, would you help me to figure this out? Something at the college, something in my family, something in my life. And then I would learn to shut up. You know, when we pray to God, so many times we just keep talking. Every once in a while, we ought to just stop talking. And I would teach my students at the college, you need to stop talking and listen to God answer. Now, I can tell you this, in all those years of all those miles of driving, I never remember God speaking. But I remember his still small voice guiding my thoughts with new answers to problems that I I had no idea where the answer came from, except I know it came from God. I I like walking in the early mornings. I'm an early morning guy. Five o'clock in the morning, I walk. And I'll walk three miles and try to do it in a half an hour. It's rather hard to do it in a half an hour when it's real cold outside. But uh, when I was in Idaho, I had this big dog. His name was Bogey. And Bogey and I, we would go walking. And every once in a while in the morning, I, I have a habit. For this section, and even now without the dog, this section I'll be praying for my wife. This section of street I'll be praying for students. This section for my faculty. This section for the supporters of the college. This section for my son. This section for daughter number one. This section daughter number two. And this one daughter number three. And by the time I get done with my circuit, I have prayed for the people in my life. And I do that every morning. Well, sometimes when I'd be walking with Bogey, we would uh, be walking down the street and all of a sudden Bogey just sit down. Now, when you've got a dog that weighs 120 pounds, it stops you. And Bogey would just be sitting there quizzically looking up at me like, what are you doing? And then I would look around and realize I'm on the wrong street. Bogey knew that when we got done with our walk, he was going to get fed. But he also knew I was praying and I forgot where I was. Let me tell you, if you want to learn to pray, pray on the interstate. (laughs) But learn to keep your eyes open while you're praying on the interstate. Or you'll meet Jesus a lot sooner than you thought you would. You know, prayer is so important. We need to be fanatics of prayer. Grab a two-minute prayer here and a three-minute prayer here and a half-hour prayer there and 45 minutes there. Pray without ceasing all day long. You want to have a happy new year? Pray. Now, the early church, it tells us about the early church. It says, because of these things that they were fanatics of, they became a reverent church. They were a church that was full of awe. Now, the King James said full of fear, but fear is not being scared. It's in awe of God. I remember a couple of years ago, I was in... Um, London, and I was in Westminster Abbey. And Westminster Abbey, you look up and up and up and up, and finally, all the way up at the top, there's this beautiful rose window. 
It wasn't destroyed during World War II. And you just feel this sense of awe. It's like your whole self is drawn up into the top part of the cathedral. Um, the early church was like that. It didn't matter where they were. They were in awe of the presence of God because of their fanaticism. It was a church where things happened. It says signs and wonders happened in the early church. Today, do signs and wonders happen in the church? Yes, they do. And if you're not seeing them, you're not observant. You need to be fanatic about what is God doing through our church? One of the great Christian, no, I won't say Christian. One of the great philosophers of our time said, 100% of the shots you don't take won't go in. Now, his name, he was one of the great hockey players of all time. But 100% of the shots you don't take won't go in. You know, in our lives, if we don't expect God to do great things, great things aren't going to happen. And we're not going to see them. If we expect great things to happen, we'll be a part of making it happen. God will work through us. The early church was an exciting place. It didn't matter where they met, whether it was out on the Sea of Galilee or down in the dungeons or whether it was on the uh, Mars Hill. Wherever the church met, God was with them. And the church was exciting. And then it says it was a church that was a sharing church. They were together in unity. I've had some students at uh, the college, they say, you know, the word that's used here, they had all things in common. It sounds like the early church was a perfect picture of uh, communism. And I go, no, 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 you don't get the uh, gist here. Communism and community are two different things. Community, which the early church had, was what's mine is yours. You need it, you can have it. Communism is what's yours is mine, I will take it. There's a big world of difference there. In the early church, there were men and women who had property, and they would sell the property. It wasn't all the property they had. Uh, If you read through the book of Acts with Ananias and Sapphira and uh, you read the story there, it's not all the property, but it's when you bring something to God, you say it in truth. God will bless it. The early church saw blessing after blessing after blessing because they were fanatics of God's word, of God's people, of God and the relationship with God and prayer. And finally, it talks about it was a happy church in verse 46. You know, a lot of churches are gloomy. You walk in and it's like, is there any spirit here? And I know right now we feel sometimes like there is no spirit. All of the joy of life's been sucked out of us. People are losing jobs. People are losing family. One of my vice presidents at the college two weeks ago, three weeks ago, lost his mom and dad the same night. Uh, They both had heart attacks, had nothing to do with COVID, had everything to do with heart. And they ended up with God at the same time. And yet my vice president had to go through this circumstance where some of his family had COVID and couldn't go to the funeral. And they had to deal with all of these feelings And yet, it was a happy time. I went to the viewing, and the people were happy. They were excited, even though here is grandma and here is grandpa laying there together, 
how blessed it was to know they were in the presence of God. The early church was a place that wasn't gloomy. It was exciting. And when we come together on the Lord's Day, we need to be excited about each other and be fanatics of each other. And the final thing that it said is it was a church that other people liked. Now, I've got to tell you, uh, I preached at St. Peter's, Missouri, while I was in the St. Louis area years ago. And St. Peter's, I was the 11th minister in 12 years. Yeah, you heard that correct. 11th minister in 12 years. At the end of the first year, uh, Jim, who was the pharmacist, I had gone to high school with his son. And uh, so he knew me, and I had four little kids. I should have been buying amoxicillin and 55-gallon drums, but... (laughs) They wouldn't give me that much. And so Jim, at the end of the year, said, Terry, what's going on at your church? I said, I don't know. What is? You know, people in the community know about the church more than we do inside the church. And so Jim said, well, I haven't seen any fights at your church. And I'm quizzically looking at him. I'm going, what? And he said, yeah, I haven't seen any fights. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, on the back side of the parking lot across the field, that yellow house over there is my house. And he said that patio deck up there, uh, whenever we saw out in front of the church there was going to be a congregational meeting for the last 11 years, he said, uh, I would call my buddies and they'd come up on the deck and we'd sit there in the lounge chairs drinking beer and betting on which guy would hit the ground first, the guy in the red shirt or the guy in the yellow shirt. And I'm thinking, seriously? So we had an elders meeting that way and I, uh, that week, and I remember Tom. Tom was chairman of the elders. I went up to Tom and I told him the story. And Tom looked at me and he goes, I said, what, what is it? He said, well, you know, Bill and Bob, and I have changed those names to protect the guilty, two of the deacons in the church, it didn't matter what was going on at the congregational meeting. Were they going to have pews? Were they going to have chairs? Were they going to have red carpet? Were they going to have green carpet? Were they going to paint the kitchen or were they going to let the kitchen fall apart? It didn't matter. They were against each other and they would go outside of the doors and duke it out. Yeah, one of the elders is telling me about it. He said, sometimes Bill would have a black eye or a bloody nose. And and so, yeah, you want to know why the church didn't grow for 11 years? Because the reputation in the community was, this was a church that was horrible. And that church changed. By the time I left, we were over 250. Today, it's called Mid-Rivers Christian Church. We had gone through one building program, getting ready for the second one. We're the fastest growing restoration church in the St. Louis area. Why? Because we use this scripture as our theme. We were fanatics of learning God's word. I had elders and deacons taking night classes at St. Louis Christian College. They were learning apologetics and hermeneutics and all of the other big words that now we've changed to simpler words. And they were men uh, who were learning God's word in a very special way. It was a church full of prayer. It was a church that got together and had fellowship. And on the Lord's day, we met not for the purpose of preaching, but to be around the Lord's table together like we just were. It was an exciting church. And I've got to tell you, you want to have an exciting new year? Dedicate the new year to God's word, to God's family, to God 
and to prayer. And I guarantee you, you'll be able to truthfully say and feel, have a happy new year.